Hi, I'm Edwards Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, and welcome to this special edition of All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and I'm excited for you to hear the second half of our conversation on marriage with my wife, Beth, and Father Mike Schmitz from the Seek 23 conference. So without further ado, let's jump into it. But what you, you know what you're describing, going into the, the four things that he mentions that horsemen, you can follow, the, the horsemen, yeah, that you can fall into, <laughs> yes. uh, and then how we want to have the ratio of seven to one. That's just fascinating that, you know, yeah. here is he's scientifically trying to... Well, there's also know. people who will say that, you know, three to one's way too low. You need many more acts of kindness and trust and love. Mm-hmm. Also, I've heard a psychologist say, Jordan Peterson, say that <laughs> 11 to one is you need more kickback. You need more tension or else the other person is just a pushover and you start to not respecting them because they're too much of a pushover. Mm. You need someone to contend with, he says. Now, that doesn't mean they always have to be acts of defensiveness or stonewalling or or contempt, but it means there's some kind of person you marry to someone you can contend with, not simply someone who's just going to agree with everything you say and think that you're perfect. But go back to the the whole process, though. It just I think that's what the sacrament is is doing. It's it's changing our hearts to love like Jesus. No, Jesus is not three to one, seven to one, 11 to one. He's infinite, you know, uh, and it's perfect love. Now, none of us are going to get there in this lifetime, but grace really does change our hearts. You know, we probably go into the marriages. Uh, Aaron, I know a little as you get into it and things get hard, it, you, you may have moments where it is more two to one, three to yeah. one or something like that. Yeah. But, but, but through the sacrament, God changes our heart to love like he loves on Good Friday, where he's patient when the other person is frustrating us. And he's, you know, he was misunderstood. He was not appreciated on Good Friday. There were hurtful words spoken on Good Friday to yeah. Jesus, hurtful actions, you know, all these things. And yet he still loved. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think many people think of marriage that way. They think of marriage, you know, it's like, oh, I finally found someone that's going to fulfill me. And yes, I'll lay down my life, Ephesians 5 and, you know, serve. But, but ultimately I'm looking at this other person as someone that's going to fulfill me. Whereas if you look at marriage as the cross, right? And, yeah. and you look at the cross, you know, like Jesus isn't up there going, oh, this is awesome. I'm living the dream. You know, it, yeah. he's laying down a life. It hurts. But it's beautiful. That's what we're made for. We're made for that total self-giving. Well, I always say that marriage is where bad people go to die. (laughs) Quote me, tweet that. Marriage marriage is where bad people go to die to themselves in order to live in love. But but I would say that, um, like as you're describing this, one of the critical virtues of marriage is hope. Because as you said, you get married and it's like, wait, I thought it would be, you guys, this is the reality. Of course, especially with Catholics who have, if you've had great models of marriage in your life, sometimes you have the hardest time in those first months and years of marriage. Because it's like, no, I saw my parents as pros. Like my parents were professional lovers. They were incredible. They, my, the way my dad cared for my mom and the way my mom like respected my dad, all these kind of things. And you remember them as after having gone through all of those ups and downs, that then you find yourself in this marriage going like, oh, wait, this we just stepped on each other's toes. You just stepped on my toes on purpose, like all these kind of pieces to hold on to that virtue of hope. Because expectation, I always say expectation is the killer of joy. Expectation ruins more, future expectation ruins more present joy than anything else. I thought it would be like this, but it's not actually, it's like this instead. Anticipation is great because I love anticipation. Like I don't, that's why I don't like surprise parties. Like I, I like the idea of like, let me look forward to it. Cause usually the actual thing is n- not as much fun as looking forward. Anyways, but expectation is I thought it would be like this. So marriage needs hope because once we get inside of it and realize, oh, this is not what I expected, but I still have hope that we can make it through this. Mm. 
I still have hope that this isn't the end just because we just hurt each other pretty badly here. This isn't the end just because, wow, we're really struggling uphill. Or even like you mentioned, I just, it's so important to realize, to, I, mean, I don't know, how many people here are discerning marriage actively right now, meaning you're in a relationship? <laughs> and okay, great. Um, one of the things I invite people to reflect on is the vows. I, Jack, take you, Jill, to be my wife. I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to love you and honor you all the days of my life. And reflect on bad. And reflect on sickness. Like, reflect on, like, how bad could it be? What if the other person gets sick and they can't take care of themselves? In our first summer, what if we can't get pregnant? What if we can't not get pregnant? <laughs> what, if, what if I'm the one who's sick? I know people, I actually talk to people who say, I don't want him to stay with me if I'm the sick one. Because I don't want him to have to give, give, spend the rest of his life just caring for me. Oh, mm. like that movie. What was that movie? And you just, before me or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, but that's what you're saying yes to. That's what you're vowing, right? And uh, that's why I think it's so important to say, okay, <laughs> sometimes we are uh, catastrophizers, right? We always think a worst case scenario. There's sometimes that's not healthy. This might be a case where it's really, really good to do. To actually, and actually do that out loud with them. Okay, what's the worst thing I can imagine happening in our marriage? Let's talk about that. Am I saying yes to that too? And not that I want that to happen, but like, let's bring it to the Lord. I failed and I wasn't faithful to you. Okay, are we still one? You were unfaithful. Are we still one? We're sick. We have multiple children with multiple issues. What happens then? Not because we want to be negative Nellies, but because that's what life is. Remember, I think Bishop said it this morning. He said, life is hard but there's hope. I love I love how Bishop this morning. Yeah. I mean, I think the best, well, my thing that resonated most with me was when he was so vulnerable, yeah. right? And he shared that he had to take time away from his diocese and had to get help. He had to seek help. It's just like, oh my gosh. Because what do we think about bishops? We're like, no, mm -hmm. dude, they promote bishops because they don't get, they don't struggle because they don't get overwhelmed by stress because they're really, they have everything under control. Here's a bishop in front of his brother bishops, in front of his brother priests, in front of all of us saying, actually, you know, I needed time away. It wasn't like, I'm taking a sabbatical. He could have easily said that. He could have said, I just needed some time away to kind of collect myself. He said, no, I was so broken that this is what I needed. And if I didn't get it, I would have collapsed and realized that that could be your marriage. That could be my priesthood. And that could, because why? Because life is hard. Anyways, I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh. I'm just going, going on. Blah, 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 blah. So good. I want to, I want to get, raise hands here. How many of you hope to be married someday? Let's see. Okay. So the, the, I, I want to ask you a question, Father, and, yes. and you too, uh, about what advice you would give to young people that hope to be married someday. They might not even be engaged or dating someone right now. But before we do that, I've got two announcements to make. First, I want to give a, a great thank you to Spoke Street Media. Let's give them a round of applause for sponsoring this broadcast booth here at Seek 23 and making this all possible. Also, if you want to check out this show, All Things Catholic, so this comes out every Tuesday, you can text All Things Catholic, just one word, to 33777, and you can get the podcast, you can get the show notes. Uh, it's basically that. In, in the podcast I do, All Things Catholic, I talk about the Bible, I talk about apologetics, marriage, like we're talking about here, or dating relationships, virtue, the saints, the spiritual life, prayer. So it's everything Catholic. Again, you can just text All Things Catholic, all one word, to 33777, and you can hear the podcast. Now, this is a special edition. We're going a little longer here. Normally, my podcast, people tell me they love it because it's only like 18 to 24 minutes. You can do 
it when you're going on a run or when you're on the exercise bike or you're running errands. So again, all things Catholic, you can text that to 33777 if you're interested in that. But let's close with this topic for single people who that they want to be married someday. What advice would you give them to just, you know, in, in their friendships or relationships now, what can they be doing now to prepare for their future marriage? And I'll start with you, Beth. Two things. There's, uh, we've had this conversation with our older children kind of out of nowhere. That's how my mom advice works, out of nowhere. Son, you need to make sure you know this. Um, but two words, suffer well. Learn to suffer well. And, and what do I mean by that? That when things are hard, when things are challenging, when you'd rather not be in a situation or have to do something to really just be in it, admit it's hard, but then press through. Because you're married, you have children, they need you in the middle of the night and you're not going to want to get up. You know, your husband is sick, you're not going to want to help. You know, you're not going to want to miss out on that party with your friends because kids at home are sick. So learn to suffer well and practice it often. I would also say, um, get to know yourself, not like, oh, I like my nails painted pink or I like this particular latte. Like, no, get to know your own story. Like really take off your own personal way of seeing yourself now, but think about, okay, I, I have this maybe low T, small T, big T trauma in my past that I don't want to think about because it doesn't affect me now, right? But maybe take some time to really press into that because that will be present in your marriage. It's not like you get married and you just drop all the stuff that you've packed down on the altar and you get to get out of jail free card. It's not like that at all. All of that stuff will come into your marriage. It will affect it. Um, there's the verse in the Bible, love your neighbor as yourself. Many times we think about love your neighbor. Okay, got that, awesome. But to really love yourself, as that is the, that word as is the barometer of how you will love others. So if you don't really know yourself, if you're not curious about why am I feeling this way? Where did this come from? Why am I thinking these thoughts? How come no one else seems to struggle with this and I am? If you're not pondering that regularly and working to encounter yourself with Jesus, and our Lord, and help him to show you who you really are, not who you think you are, but who you really are, and to get in touch with that and to really care for yourself, then you will have a greater capacity to love your spouse, to love your children, to love others. It's all beautifully contingent. Mm. I think that's beautiful. I think to, to take that time, you know, marriage will bring out all of our weaknesses, all of our sins, all of our imperfections, and, and it's beautiful. That's what the sacrament's doing. You know, God wants to heal us, but he wants to heal us also at the, at the deepest level. And that involves even our hurts, whatever false stories we tell ourselves. Those things are going to come up and it is going to impact our ability to love our spouse and love our children. So you do yourself a service to, to get some of that work done, you know, in spiritual direction and prayer, no, reading, no. therapy if you needed. You know, as, as, as you pointed out, Father Mike, uh, uh, we heard a bishop today talk about I needed therapy. There's no shame in therapy. I know you always say only courageous people. Uh, go and go deep with what they need to, in terms of uh, facing the dark parts in their lives to find the healing of Jesus Christ in his light there. So great point there. Father, what would you say? What advice <laughs> would you give young okay. people here? Uh, I've never actually said this. I'll say three things just because they need to be balanced out with each other. The first thing is what I've noticed in our culture, there's, a, there's kind of a new 
when I was, even when I was going through college, it was just kind of automatic. People dated each other more regularly. Um, they pursued relationships and seemed like people really cared about relationships. They, they wanted to have a relationship and actually went on dates um, and then dated each other and then got married. <laughs> and I don't see that happening as much. It seems like young people who believe they're called to the vocation of marriage are like, I just kind of hope it happens. But I think, um, I think there's got to be some kind of pursuit or at least some kind of I'm actively open, if, that, if that's a better way to say it. I'm actively open. So I, there's something I'm doing about this. I find a lot of people um, who take their faith seriously have a high standards. High standards are great. Don't compromise the standards. At the same time, we recognize that we have to be actively open. I'll say that, actively open. So what does that mean? Well, you know, if, if it was someone who's discerning a call to religious life or to priesthood, that means I'm checking out seminaries. I'm checking out religious communities. I am um, talking with people. I'm actively pursuing this, even though if I'm, I'm not sure yet, there's no one there who's, there's not a love connection yet. That's not a problem, but I'm actively open is what I'm trying to say. Okay, so that one, at the same time, at the same time, to not allow your prayer to be dominated by discernment. I, I allowed my prayer for many years to be dominated by discernment in the sense of every time I went to pray, every time I went to a retreat, every time I went to a conference like this, they didn't have the conferences like this, but every time I went to mass, it was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Just, that's what I want. I, I don't care what else you give me by the time I get to the end of this retreat or the end of this thing. I want my vocation. I want the answer. And so I get to the end of retreats and end of conferences, end of mass, end of prayer, and still wouldn't know. And say, so, well, that was a waste. Um, I didn't get what I wanted. So kind of spoiled brat, kind of a, but I want to oompa loompa now, daddy. Like that kind of a situation <laughs> where it was, I missed out on all the graces God was giving me. Every time you show up for prayer, God is giving you a grace. Every time you show up for prayer, he's doing something in your hearts. But he didn't give me what I wanted. I wanted an answer. He wanted me to have him. So be actively open at the same time to not let discernment or pursuit of vocation be, that's not the end, that's not the fulfillment. You will never, ever, ever be fulfilled by your vocation. That's simply your path to get close to Jesus. But you can get close to Jesus even not in your vocation or else you wouldn't be here right now. The last thing is, what do I do when I don't know? I'm actively open. I'm not letting it dominate my, my discernment, but dominate my prayer. So what do I do? I'd say, don't panic. I remember there was a young man who I knew him in college. He left, graduated college, went to seminary. After a little bit of time there, he left seminary, started dating someone, thought she's the one. She broke up with him. And he was like, no, what do I do? Because he's bopping around. He's like, I tried seminary. I tried this person I thought was going to be the, the love of my life, this whole kind of thing. And then he just calmed down and he said, okay, if God calls me to be a priest, I'm going to need to be a man of virtue. If God calls me to be a husband, I'm going to need to be a man of virtue. If God calls me to be a priest, I'm going to be a man who prays. If I'm going to call to be a husband and father, I need to be a man who prays. Nothing's keeping me from becoming a man of virtue now because that's who I need to be no matter what vocation I'm in. Nothing's keeping me from being a person of prayer now because no matter what vocation I'm called to, that's the kind of person I need to be. And so to realize that every one of us, whether we know our vocation or don't, whether we're in a vocation or not, we all have to, whenever we show up, when we show up, we have to be a person of virtue. When we show up, we have to be a person of prayer. You don't have to wait to start being a person of virtue. You don't have to wait to be a person of prayer. But in fact, do your future self a big favor by becoming a person of virtue and a person of prayer now. So actively open. Don't let your discernment, don't let discernment dominate your prayer, but be a person of virtue now.
Do you know Father Mike's such a good teacher? I noticed this in your talk last night, but even here several times, he doesn't just, he's so clear. And, and by the way, you talk at like 2.5 speed, you know, like, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to give a talk earlier yesterday and they, they shortened my time by 15 minutes that says, I have to talk almost as fast as Father Mike to get it all in. <laughs> but, 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 but you're so good because you, you, you share, here's the three things and then you share it and then you go back and you always repeat it. That's a, that's a great pedagogy. Yeah. So my, well, that's funny. That's funny you say that because my older brother, my older brother during COVID, we had online masses and he was like, dude, why do you always repeat yourself? You said it, just leave it. I'm like, because you won't remember. What did I say, Mark? And he's like, you said this. I'm like, yeah, because I said it nine times. That's why you know. I love it. <laughs> All right, I'll get my two points. Well, you actually, you, one, one of the points is something you always say, but then the, the one I was going to say was what the third point he ended with, which was grow in virtue. Yeah, I think, I think that because you're going to use that in whatever vocation, as Father, Mark, uh, Father Mike said, uh, and, and to learn about the virtues, and then try to live them in your friendships with your roommate, with your campus ministry on campus, with the people in your class, with your family back at home. Because the way you interact with the people in your community right now is the, is the kind of way you're going to end up interacting with your future spouse. And so that's also a good thing as you're dating someone and you're observing, how does this guy treat his mom? How does he treat his brother? How does he treat his roommate? How does he treat his friends? Because he's probably, that's how he's going to probably treat you. So it's good to, for you on your end to be working on virtue, particularly in your own community. That's our, but then the second point, maybe I'll let you take this one because you always like to talk about it, is Jesus is enough. To learn that right now, Jesus is enough. I alluded to earlier that many people today, I, I, oh, I just want my vocation because I think they think a vocation is, it, it does something for me. Whereas a vocation is a calling to give yourself away like Jesus did, whether that's to the priesthood, religious life, single life, or uh, to the sacrament of holy matrimony, you're giving yourself away. And if I'm looking at this other person is going to make me happy, feel good about myself, make me not feel so alone. I'm, I'm looking at someone to fulfill my needs. That's really, that, that, that's a dangerous thing to bring into a marriage, no matter how much you love Jesus and do Bible studies and go to adoration. If you haven't really learned Jesus is enough, you'll turn to your spouse to try to have your spouse fulfill your needs. And that's leads to a lot of challenges. And then you start chasing other things. If your spouse isn't going to fulfill you need, your needs, then maybe a new house or, you know, all these other things, you keep kind of stockpiling all the things you're grasping for. So if you can actually just grasp for our Lord. There are so many times where I would love to be on the same page with my husband, you know, and I'll make a bid and he will just, it goes over his head, you know, and, and that can happen and I can get frustrated and we can get in a big fight about it. Or I could just be like, I love my husband, but Jesus, you're the one that fills my heart. You're the one that fills my needs. You're the one who knows me even better than my dear darling husband. And so it's you that I turn to over and over again. It's you that are with me in all the chaos of our family life, my motherhood, and all the things that we're trying to do. And you know my heart, you see me, and just to rest in that. And it's something that is very much, you continue to grow in over and over. And then there's even deeper ways that you meet him. But if you can just grasp onto that, if I can just grasp onto that, everything becomes still and clear. Mm. 
Well, this has been such a fun conversation to have with both of you. Uh, again, we want to thank the Spoke Street Media folks for hosting this here. And so great. I want to thank all the students here at, at Seek 23. You're amazing. Your faith, your witness is so inspiring to all of us. We're praying we have a great conference here. Again, if you want to learn more about the podcast, you can text All Things Catholic to 33777. All one word, All Things Catholic to 33777. And Dear wife, thank you for being on the show again. And Father Mike, we just, we're, we're so honored you're here, but so thankful for all that you do for the church, for the world. But most of all, as I said earlier, your fatherhood, you're living your vocation, that that's what's most important. We're very grateful for that too. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. 